Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. Well, we're in week 18 of our uh, Connecting Faith to Life podcast, and and as always, we want to encourage you to invite your friend, post links, and all those things to uh, just get the word out about what's going on. Some uh, great material, great information, and uh, really inspirational, so uh, it would uh, do you well to get out there and do that. And if you're doing it, keep it up. Thank you so much. Well, you know, we're going to be talking today, Pastor Tommy, about what you do with criticism, but what an opportunity criticism can be to grow. And today we're going to be talking about four ways to receive criticism, and I think that's probably the hardest part of it. Um, But um, it's going to be the first week of two episodes, though, right? That's correct. Okay. Well, Pastor Tommy, let me ask you, have you ever been criticized? Today? (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah just just a few times i mean yeah we all have been criticized and it's no fun to be criticized and so this is gonna be uh just i think really helpful for us over the next couple episodes to think about how to receive criticism but also how to give Mm -hmm. criticism because criticism while it's no fun to receive and and it's not necessarily always a bad thing. Sometimes we need some constructive criticism. Yeah. And sometimes we need to give some constructive criticism. But, 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 before we get into all of that, can, can I ask you a question, Trey? Well, you're going to anyway, yeah, so me, go let ahead. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. What is the dumbest thing you've ever said to your wife? Oh, boy. I, I don't know how to release it to one, but... Uh, and can you say it on air? Yeah. I mean, I would just, I'm sure it was about her hair, something about, about her hair. why did you cut your hair? Your wife something has like that. Why would you say anything about your wife's hair? Because I was beautiful I, hair. I, well, see, it used to be long, real okay. long. And, okay. and then when she got it cut and I was uptight and I was about 23 and thought I knew everything or something like that. So, yeah. She didn't take it too well, huh? No. Yeah, well, so I, I have learned. I, I bet you have the same first thing. words out of my mouth now is your hair is beautiful. No matter what, she could shave it off her head, it's still beautiful. And you can't pause before you say it. <laughs> you got to jump right into that. So I've told this story before, Trey. You've probably heard me tell this story. The dumbest thing I ever said to my wife uh, was when I returned from a mission trip. I've been in Russia for, for 10 days, came back, arrived home, you know, 11 to 12 o'clock at night. I was tired, been. In traveling for 24 hours, where the case may have been. And, and my wife at our former church, she was the VBS director. And so she was getting ready for VBS. And, 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 and I walked home, I uh, walked into the house after all that, that long night of travel and had not seen her in 10 days. And she had VBS stuff everywhere. Everywhere you look, there was VBS this, VBS that all over the house. And my first words to her were not, I love you, I missed you, or anything like that. My first words to her were, man, it looks like VBS threw up all over our house. Oh, boy. She didn't take that too well. Ah, uh, I can imagine. Yeah, that that was not a smart thing to say. So, would you say you probably didn't give criticism well at that point? I did not give criticism well at that point. It would have been best if I would just kept my mouth shut about the state of our home <laughs> and VBS throwing up all over our house. Yeah, that would have probably been yeah, the wise thing. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, all that to say, we've all said things that we regret saying, Mm. and we've all given criticism that we probably shouldn't have given in the way that we gave it. And we've all received criticism that's been hurtful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think about particularly, Trey, just in ministry, I mean, 
It happens a lot as a pastor, doesn't it? Oh, it does. And and some things, you know, you think, why don't they criticize me about the things I need help with? You know, <laughs> right, I know right, I'm weak right. here, but it seems like you always get criticized in places that you thought you had together. Hey, Trey, know? has anybody ever said this to you before? I just don't feel like your preaching is feeding me anymore. Oh, boy. That is the one. And then I just didn't feel the presence of the Lord in mm, that message. Mm, yeah. Um, I didn't get anything out of that. Yeah. And, those and, and if you ever notice this, Trey, that, that sometimes, and this probably isn't just for pastors, but for, for anybody when we're receiving criticism, have you ever had a critic say to you, hey, Trey, I, I love you, but... <laughs> Whenever they start with the word love, you know you're in trouble. Yeah, you know they don't really love you. I want to share this in love. <laughs> right? And it's like, oh, here it comes. Here yeah, it comes. Exactly. Yeah. It's just no fun to receive criticism. Oh, and so I boy. think this is good to talk about. But let me share a couple of verses that I think are helpful to think through as we're starting uh, this particular topic. One is Proverbs 12, 18. Mm, one of there my is one whose rash words are like sword thrust. Mm. Gracious. You, you felt that, haven't oh, you? Oh, yes. Yeah, somebody's just, they're just flying off with the handle to you, and it does. It feels like a sword thrusting right through you, right? But listen to what else the Proverbs says. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Mm-hmm. And so when you learn how to give criticism in a way that's helpful and constructive, it really does bring healing, doesn't it? It does, every time. Yes, absolutely. Think about this one, Proverbs 27, 6. Mm. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Mm. Because even when a friend gives you criticism that's helpful and constructive, it still stings a little bit, doesn't it? It does. You know, you do, it's just you think you got it together, and yeah. they have brought it out in the open to you, you know? But but when that friend gives you those those uh, wounds of criticism, you ultimately know it's for your good. Mm-hmm. And even though it hurts, you're, you're going to listen because they, you know that they love you and want the best for you. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, says Proverbs 27, 6. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Wow. So an enemy is going to, yeah, yeah flatter, when, you, flatter you and all kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway. Be careful. That's right. So we're going to talk about this. How do we receive? How do we receive criticism well? Okay. Well, let's talk about four ways to do that. And uh, I hope everybody's got their pens and pencils out. And we'll probably uh, link uh, uh, these notes as well. Sure, right. Sure. So, sure. Anyway, but uh, the first one is don't take criticism so personally. And I got to tell you, that's pretty personal. <laughs> yeah. Because when somebody criticizes criticizes us, the 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 first thing we want to do is defend ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't know what, what I'm going through right now. How can you say that to me? Or or we're tempted to just kind of take a lot of pity on ourselves, right? I mean, mm. yeah, I mean, we have a tendency to take criticism very personally. And and I know that you've been criticized, I've been criticized, and so I just think of a couple times I've been criticized where I took it kind of personally. And I've told these stories before. You've probably heard me tell these stories, Trey. One was in seminary. I was in that preaching class. And, and just for me personally, I don't know how you feel about preaching, but I just really feel like preaching is one of those areas where God's gifted me. And so I, I take it very personal, and I work hard at it. And so I was I was in that, that preaching class where we actually – preached mm-hmm. uh, to to our, our peers in the class, and so I worked on my message, and I was staying up, and I preached for 25 minutes or so, and I can still remember the message I preached. It was on, you know, Mary and Martha, and how Mary sat at the feet of Jesus while Martha was busy in the house doing all the work. You, you know that passage, mm-hmm. and so I was preaching that passage, and at the end of class, you know, the the, uh, the professor critiqued my preaching a bit, and and everyone in the class had a, a sermon evaluation form, and they exactly went through that form. You remember did. how that, that yeah. happened? They went through and they said, hey, here's what you did well, and here's what you didn't do well. And and I wanted to learn. I wanted to grow, and so I, I took those comments, and I tried to gain from those comments. And I came to one particular paper, and he had written lots of comments about what he liked about what I'd said and what I could work on and all those kinds of things. And then he said at the bottom of the paper— this was great, but 
your <laughs> buttons on your shirt did not line up with your belt buckle. Like, that's just a random, I mean, I, I think I'm a pretty good looking guy. I think I dress myself pretty well, but for whatever reason, man, I just like that, man, what, what, why would he say that? Right. I mean, but I can tell you what did happen here. We are. That was probably 15, 16 years ago. Every Sunday morning before I walk on the stage, the last thing I check are the buttons on my shirt and my belt buckle to make sure they line up. Yeah, I checked something else too, but uh, <laughs> no. But I had I had the same situation where somebody did the same sort of thing and great and this that and it. But your hair is back in the days when you don't I had have hair, it. Trey. I know I did at that time. It was a distraction. <laughs> your hair was a distraction. How was your hair a distraction? I have no idea. I never knew who it was. They never let. They never. Uh, yeah, it's just amazing some of the things people say. I had a guy. Uh, well, my well, I, I've told this story too. My professor in seminary, who was actually the chair of my um, uh, my PhD degree, um, my advisor. After I'd done this oral exam and had studied so much for it and worked so hard and I felt like I nailed it, we were sitting in a room, four or five professors who graded me on that oral exam, and he looked at me and said, Tommy, you know you're not the smartest tool in the shed. Oh, man. That was hurtful, man. Wow. And I know that he didn't really mean anything by it. He wasn't trying to call me an idiot, I don't think. But, but <laughs> you know, at the time, I, mean, I just took it personal, right? But here's what I've learned about criticism, and here's what you've learned about criticism as well, Trey, mm -hmm. that people will say things that in the moment they sting a bit, they hurt a bit. But what I don't know when that person is criticizing me is what they're actually going through. Mm-hmm. They might be going through a difficult time yeah, themselves. Yeah, I mean, we've all heard the statement probably that that hurting people have a tendency to hurt people, Yeah, mm -hmm. right? And so for me, when someone criticizes me, I just need to chill out a bit, right? In that moment, those words they're saying to me might sting, they might be hurtful, but there is probably, in a lot of cases, something underneath the surface that I don't know about, that, 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 that they haven't told me about, something they're really struggling with that is causing them to maybe lash out at me or even mm -hmm. other people hurtfully. And so for me, I can't take it personally. Instead, in those moments of criticism, I need to learn how to pray for my critic because mm -hmm. again, they might be going through something extremely hurtful, extremely painful themselves. And I need to be sensitive even in those moments where they, where they might be thrusting those swords in me of hurtful words. I need to be sensitive to what they're going through and even look for ways that I can minister to them. And, you know, Jesus was very clear with that. Mm -hmm. He said, pray for those who despitefully use you. Yeah. And certainly words can be a misuse of who you are as God designed you. So um, I think that's important. Yeah, so um, just learn not to take it so personally. You know, my issue is, and I, we talked about this a little bit before, is I was raised in a narcissistic type situation mm. where, you know, I was the firstborn of the whole family. And, uh, you know, I was the center of attention and all those yeah. things. And it began, you know, so in my world, I was so self-centered that it's, it over the years has been difficult for me to accept criticism. Mm. I'm much mm. better than I used mm. to be. Yeah. But uh, would you say that's probably one yeah, of the issues as well? I would think well? that would be an issue as well, that when uh, you constantly have issues taking criticism, when you're always taking it personally, it might reveal in you a self-centered heart that you do think you're the center of the world mm -hmm. and that you have no room for improvement in your own life. And so you always take criticism personally. So it might reveal a self-centered mm -hmm. heart. So the bottom line is, I think if we're going to receive criticism well, we've got to learn not to take everything so personally. Amen. So we don't take criticism personally, but we also don't let criticism derail us. What do yeah, you mean by that? Yeah. So here's what I know, right? So at our church, we're, we're, a larger church, right? We have on any given Sunday around 600 people who show up to worship with us. And that's great. Praise the Lord for that. So here's what I know. Because we have 600 people, 
what does that mean, Trey? We have 600 people who have 600 different opinions. Mm-hmm, that's right. All right? 600 different opinions, 600 different lifestyles, 600 different types of preferences. I mean, we have a lot of people, which means people are going to think lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. And here's what I've learned in, in 16 years of being a pastor. Ain't no way I can please everybody. Mm-mm. I can't. There is. There's no way I can meet the preferences of 600 people. There's no way I can satisfy the opinions of 600 people. I, I can't do it. But what I can do is I can please one. Mm-hmm. I can please the God who placed me here at Northwood to lead and shepherd over this people. And here's what I also know. If, if, if I'm striving in my walk with Jesus and in my leadership to do what's best for the kingdom, Mm-hmm. right? And to lead this church in a way that, that I'm striving to do what's best for God and his glory. What's best for God and his glory, what's best for God's kingdom is always going to be best for the 600 people or so that attend every Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. And so exactly. for me, it's just learning, man, I can't let critics who have different preferences and different opinions and different ways of doing things, I can't let them derail me from doing the main thing, which is following my Lord and mm-hmm. leading in a way that I believe honors the Lord. Exactly. And I think, you know, when we get to heaven, we want that the one hand clap that matters is our Lord. That's right. That's right. And uh, we're never going to please everyone. And when Jesus... Uh, I've always said that when I preach, I preach for an audience of yeah, one. Yeah. And in the last days of our uh, my former church, you know, I uh, wasn't quite that bad. But anyway, you know, you you just realize, you know, it doesn't matter if there's 25 people here or 250. I've got to please Jesus yeah. in what I do. So. Yeah. And so for me, right, what that means, don't let critics derail me that mm-hmm. when I am convinced I am living in the center of God's will, I'm mm-hmm. going to stay on that path, right, That I, that I cannot be moved. Right, mm-hmm. that when I am convinced, I'm fo- now that means on my part, I've got to be convinced mm-hmm. that I have to stay in close relationship with Jesus. That I have to walk in intimacy with Him because as I walk in intimacy with Him, it does shape the way I lead. And so when I'm convinced that I'm walking in the Lord's will, uh, then 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 I'm not going to let critics derail me from leading in a way that I am convinced is consistent with the Word of God and His revealed will. So so a, a great example of that is the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. You think about uh, his relationship with the church at Corinth. And so Paul had a, a really interesting relationship with the church at Corinth, and and he wrote several letters. In our Bible, we have two letters that he wrote to the church at Corinth, but Bible scholars believe there were actually four letters that he wrote to the church at Corinth. And that's another story for another day. So so 2 Corinthians is a very personal letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth after his relationship with the church at Corinth had kind of derailed a bit. Yeah. Uh, so what had happened is, is Paul made a visit uh, to the church at Corinth, and it didn't go well. Uh, there were some issues that took place, and so he left. And And people in Corinth, the church at Corinth, they were mad at Paul because he left them. He mm. didn't stay as long as he had initially said he would stay. But he left because of what had happened uh, in their relationship. And so he wrote 2 Corinthians after he had actually written another letter, mm. another letter that had kind of pointed out some of the, the, the sins that they were experiencing and going through. And so he wrote 2 Corinthians in response to that. And when he wrote 2 Corinthians, he said to them, listen, I know you wanted me to come back. I know you want me to stay longer, but I stayed away for your good. I was convinced, right, that this is what God wanted for me for you. It Mm -hmm. wasn't easy. It was hard, but I was following the will of God. I knew that if I came back, it it wouldn't be pretty. So I stayed away. I wrote you another letter to kind of explain where I was so we could kind of work this out together. But I was following the will of God. Paul was convinced that 
while he was receiving criticism from people who wanted him to do something else, he was convinced that he was doing what God wanted mm-hmm. him to do, and so he wasn't going to let the criticism derail him from following God's plan. And I think that's twofold. Uh, as a pastor, you know, we have all been through the criticism. Uh, you know, there was a church that I did have to walk away from, very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time, you know, you go back and you say, okay, I've got to stick with it. Mm. And you say, you know, yeah, I'm walking away from this church. I'm not walking away from the will of God. That's right. And my concern is that, and maybe this is a good word to other people that are in the ministry or people that are pastoring, even people that are serving in, in lay ministry, you know, when you get criticized, don't walk away from the ministry yeah, part yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, you might have to change a little bit. You might have to move things around in your own life to make it happen. But don't, you know, don't become all of a sudden say, well, I'm just getting out of the church. Yeah. I'm done with it. Yeah, I think that leads right into the next way we handle criticism. What is it, Trey? Don't let criticism harden you. Yeah, yeah. So that can happen, that we receive so much criticism, right, that the temptation in that criticism, because we received so much of it, is to walk away, mm-hmm. to walk away from whatever it is we're being criticized about, right? Whether it's it's a, a way that we're leading in the home or a way that we're leading on the job or whatever we're being criticized over, if we're criticized enough in that particular area, the temptation is to walk away. But if you're convinced that you're walking in the will of God, whatever that might look like for you. If you're convinced, don't walk, don't give up. Mm-hmm. Don't walk away. Endure the criticism. It might mean you change things up a little bit, obviously, but endure the criticism and keep being faithful to the Lord. And so if we're not going to have a hard heart, the, of course, the opposite is true. We need to make sure that we keep a soft heart right. uh, towards what people are saying. Or right. uh, You know, I think when I'm criticized, one of the first things I always do is go to the Lord and say, Lord, is, is it me? Yeah, you know? that's right. That's and, right. And I think that, that shows a softened heart. Maybe right. I didn't right. uh, initially so, have it. Right. So so you've probably heard it said a million times over the course of your career as a pastor, and I know I've heard it said a million times as well, that, that we need to learn how to develop a thick skin. Mm. Right? And yeah. I think that's important, that we do develop a thick skin skin, that we're able to to endure the critics that come our way and endure those things that might be said to us that are hurtful or negative, right? Have a thick skin. But having a thick skin is not the same as having a hard heart. No, right? yeah. A hard heart is a heart that says, you know what, I'm just not listening to critics anymore. Uh, I'm, and, and, and instead of showing grace to critics, instead of understanding that there might be something going on in the life of that critic that, that is hurtful in their own lives and trying to minister to that critic, uh, instead of that, you begin to despise the critic, Mm. right? That's a hard heart that you let that bitterness take root in your heart that causes you to despise that critic. And so every time you see that critic coming, you walk the other way. Every time that critic calls you, you don't pick up the phone or whatever the case may be, right? That's a hard heart where you begin to be bitter against that critic, that you're angry against that critic, that you despise that critic instead of having that soft heart that says, you know what? What he said, what she said was hurtful, but I'm going to learn to love him or her anyway in spite of that. Is there a scripture that we can kind of hold on to that will help us uh, maybe get through that or give us some instruction or yeah, direction? I think, I think what Paul says in Ephesians 4 is so helpful. In Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 30, Paul says this, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, mm-hmm. tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So, so think about what Paul's saying, right? Put away bitterness and wrath. I mean, he says that, but, but, but if you don't, if you don't put away the bitterness and wrath, if you don't forgive, if you're not kind to each other, mm-hmm. you are 
grieving the Spirit of God. Wow. You're going to hinder the work of God in your life if you hold on to bitterness and anger. Ultimately, it's going to hinder the work of God. That's exactly right. Not just in your life, but other places as well. That's exactly right. So you can't let criticism hard you. Yes, have a thick skin. Uh, Learn how to let it bounce off you from time to time, but don't have a hard heart. Let your heart stay soft to people and to what God is doing in the midst of some of the criticism you might be experiencing. How can you know if you're like dealing with bitterness? You know, some people say, well, I'm not bitter, but you look at them and, you know, you're kind of thinking, well, they probably are. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the best way to know if you're dealing with bitterness is what do you think about the person who's criticizing you, mm. right? If, if it gets to the point in that relationship that you don't want to be around that person at all, that you can't pray for that person, uh, that you can't, you know, just show kindness to that person, then that probably is a pretty good end indicator that you've got some bitterness in your heart and bitterness is always a bad thing it's, i mean I don't, I don't think it's ever a good thing is it well i and I, what i mean is that bitterness also can be trans uh, transferred to other people yeah that makes sense. yeah 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 because you know, in our bitterness we start to talk down about people we start to gossip I and mean, we start to you know just uh, have angry um outbursts and all those kinds of things so yeah bitterness it leads to a lot of other sinful actions and behaviors so criticism literally can destroy us as well so yeah absolutely absolutely well, let's go on to number four, and uh, we'll finish up. Uh, number four is don't ignore your need to change. Yeah. That's this is, the hard one. This is part of having a soft heart, yeah, right? Because the reality is, is that when you are being criticized, that criticism may be delivered in a way that's hurtful, hateful, mean-spirited, mean-hearted, right? I, I've told the story several times to our congregation about an anonymous letter I received years ago. It, the, the way that an anonymous letter came across to me was very hurtful and, and very painful. It, there was nothing kind in it, right? But here's what happened. When I read through that anonymous letter that I received so many years ago at a church I pastored, after I read through it and thought through it and prayed through it, there were some things in me that I did need to change in my leadership, mm. right? I mean, it wasn't, you know, kind the way the person delivered the message, but it was a time of introspection. Mm-hmm. And so, so listen, it's not fun to receive hurtful and hateful criticism. It's not fun. It's mean-spirited. It is sinful for someone to criticize you in a way that's negative and hurtful and mean-spirited. It is sinful. But in that, is there something in you that, need, that does need to change? And what from that particular experience, what I learned through that anonymous letter uh, that questioned my leadership as a pastor, I simply learned I needed to be much more clear in the way I was communicating some things to my congregation. And so I, I started to be a lot clearer in some of the things that I was saying as far as direction of our church and those kind of things. And so I made, I think, some positive changes as a result of some very negative criticism that I received. And so it was a learning experience. And so so all that to say, I think uh, evidence of humility in your life is the ability to take even the most hurtful criticism and say, okay, is there a grain of truth in this that I need to be aware of and pay attention to? Are there some changes? Even though I don't like the way this felt, even though this was very hurtful, are there some changes I need to make? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think that uh, what we're going to talk about next week is going to be very helpful to mm-hmm. us as well, because we don't need to be that person on the anonymous letter That's right. that is giving hurt right. to whether it's a pastor or a friend or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we need to learn how to a, give it uh, well. in a godly way yeah. to, to uh, give criticism, and sometimes it is necessary. That's exactly right. That's exactly so, right. So uh, we got to do that. Yeah, so just the, the rally trade is just in the midst of receiving that hurtful criticism, just stay humble. 
Mm. It's no fun. That's it hurts. Word. It's painful, but stay humble. Is there something that God might use, even in that negative criticism, to sanctify you, mm-hmm. right? That criticism can be very sanctifying as you take it to the Lord and allow him to work in your heart, even through uh, those those harsh words that felt like a thrust of a sword. Johnny Hunt once got one of those letters as well, and and uh, he was so mad, he went to the deacons, and he was just fired up screaming and hollering, carrying on, and uh, the Lord prompted him with these words. He said, just be glad he doesn't really know your heart. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> that's where humility yeah, comes that's in. That's exactly what right. I had to say one time to him myself was, Trey, you ain't Jesus. Mm, you know, mm. you do need change. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So that's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that goes to the gospel as well. Uh, Jesus really didn't do much condemning of his critics, did he? Yeah, Jesus was condemned a few times, wasn't he? He was. He was condemned to the point of the death perfect on a son cross. of God. The perfect son of God never sinned, never used his words in an unwise and hurtful way. He was condemned a lot, mm. but he went to a cross and died for his critics. Right? right. He gave his life for those who despised him. I mean, what what a picture of humility for us, right? That he loved them to the point of death on a cross. And so for for us, I mean, you're going to receive some hurtful criticism. Jesus knows. He's been there. Mm-hmm. He loved his critics. Don't condemn your critics. Don't despise your critics. Love them with the love of Jesus. Okay, so there's somebody out there, I'm sure, today that is struggling right Absolutely. now with being Absolutely. criticized. Yeah. Okay, so if they're in the midst of it, have, have responded wrongly, even in their own heart and other ways, what, what's a final word you could give them yeah. to say, hey, listen, this is what you need to do to get yeah. to the point of receiving it well? Yeah, I would say... First and foremost, run to Jesus, mm. right? He is, as the Bible uh, talks about in, in the book of Hebrews, he is your high priest. He sympathizes with you. He knows where you are, and he knows what you've been through. Go to him. Run to Jesus. Allow him to teach you as you run to him how to be humble, how to receive it well, uh, how to to not let a root of bitterness uh, take root in your soul. Just run to Jesus. He knows where you are. And 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 really, I think that's the key, is you must learn how, in the midst of that criticism, I know it's hurtful because we've all been there and we've all been hurt by it. You've got to learn how to stay humble and keep your eyes on Jesus in the midst of it and not uh, begin to despise that person who's giving you that harsh criticism. Pastor, this has been very good for me. Mm-hmm. I know I, I know there's people listening as well, but just for me to hear this again, you know, it's just so important that we yeah. deal with this. This is a helpful conversation and, uh, that we need to have. Well, why don't you close us out and just uh, uh, get us to where we need to be. All right. I hope this has been helpful for you, and I know that as you're listening, there are many of you who have been victims of some harsh criticism. Do not be dismayed. God is with you. He wants to continue to work in your life allow him to do it. And and stay tuned for our next episode next week. We're going to talk about how to give criticism, and I think that's going to be really helpful for you. So go ahead right now as you're finishing up this podcast. If you haven't done it already, hit that subscribe button. So next week, you can have that brand new episode automatically delivered to your device. Leave us a review because that helps people find out about our podcast so they can listen in and join us as well. But we hope, as always, that this conversation today has helped you connect faith to life.